We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, joined as always by my right-hand man, Hal Bent, to full press coverage. Well, we have officially reached the quarter pole of the 2022 NFL season, and while it's still early, a clear hierarchy is apparently forming, with three to five teams of the legit serious Super Bowl contender category at the top, especially the Chiefs, Bills, and Eagles, and another 20 teams or so squarely in that middle class trying to work their way up into that top tier. And Hal, if there are to be any other teams that join the conversation the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles currently find themselves in, is week five the time for them to start showing us why they belong? Oh, definitely, David. We've got so many teams that we expected to be in that group that are middling along at that 500 range. I'm looking at the Rams. I'm looking at the AFC West Chargers sitting there at 500. Uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Brady's are also <laughs> in that uh, same situation. So a lot of teams there. AFC North is all muddled up. We got a lot of muddled up teams here, David. I think that's the phrase of the day. So, uh, yep, it's time to the two and two teams. Let's see what you got. Now's the time. Week five. Absolutely, Hal. And before we talk about week five, let's recap what we saw in week four. What was the biggest lesson you learned last week while watching the games? Man, a, a couple of a couple of lessons. Um, you know, one, I think we're a quarter way in. I think it's safe to say that, you know, bad quarterbacks remain bad quarterbacks, even changing locations. And I'm talking mm-hmm. the now benched Mitch Trubisky. I'm talking Baker Mayfield in Carolina. Uh, we had an Andy Dalton sighting, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> Carson Wentz, you can change the location. You don't always change the player. And a quarter of the way in, I think uh, we're starting to see sometimes a bad quarterback is just a bad quarterback. Bad quarterbacks stay bad indeed, Hal. Right on the money there, my friend. And the biggest lesson I learned from week four has to do with a certain running back you mentioned a couple weeks ago. And uh, you were wondering whether or not this running back was ever going to be his old self again. And he was last week. I am talking about Derrick Henry. Oh my God. He was just putting on a show against the Colts who have a very stout run defense, by the way, he was just breaking tackles left and right, showing that uncharacteristic speed from man of size in the open field. It looks like Derrick Henry is back to being the Derrick Henry. We all knew him to be. And uh, if uh, that continues, watch out. The Tennessee Titans are going to be a far better team than the one you and I thought they'd be hell. Certainly is. It looks like another year of those Titans hanging around and uh, just keep finding W's one way or another. They're the uh, they're the anti-chargers. Is that what they are? The Titans? <laughs> the anti- they, they pull a win out of a horrible performance. And, uh, you know, the Chargers just have all that talent and find a way to mess it up somehow. So <laughs> but yeah, Derrick Henry, it was great to see him running like that. That looked like Derrick Henry, we're waiting to see it. Hey, sometimes it just takes a little time to knock that rust off. You don't see those starters in the preseason like you used to in the old days. So it takes some time sometimes to get them up to speed. Oh, it absolutely does, Sal. No doubt about that. 
And on to our go to the week for week four. I am going with Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Zach Wilson, his first game of the 2022 season coming off that injury he suffered uh, in the uh, preseason. And uh, he struggled for most of the day, but he turned it on in the fourth quarter going 10 of 12 for an 83.3% completion rate, 128 yards, one touchdown pass, and a rating of 138.9, lead the Jets on a 10-point come-from-behind victory on the road over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zach Wilson might have been his football bar mitzvah last week, and I certainly hope so because the Jets are a team brimming with insane young talent on both sides of the football. And if Zach Wilson can build on that performance, watch out, NFL. Robert Salas, New York Jets are going to be a thorn in your side every single Sunday. Who is your go to the week, Hal? Uh, my go to the week? Well, I'll tell you, this is somebody that uh, kind of, I think I blew off last week when you mentioned him. And uh, I got to say, sixth round draft pick, rookie left tackle, Jamari Salyer, stepping in for Rashawn Slater for the Chargers. What a performance. A clean sheet, practically. Unbelievable. Unexpected. You know, you know I, I said this at the draft. You get somebody from the University of Georgia, just pick him. Just pick him last year. And here he comes, Salyer, sixth round out of Georgia. And what a performance he puts in, stepping in for probably the best young left tackle in the NFL. Wow, what a performance. Go to the week. Easy choice for me. Oh, absolutely. His tape was teach tape, dare I say, against the Houston Texans. And here's to hope he continued that against a much tougher opponent in Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns uh, this coming Sunday. And for dunce of the week, Hal, who do you think was your dunce? Oh, well, I, I get two people sharing this from the same team. I'm calling them the Fumble Ruski twins out of Indianapolis. Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, hold on to the football. I mean, uh, I thought the Colts were back. I thought they were back. And then now I'm not so sure again. And my <laughs> the doubts are surfacing. 32nd ranked offense. Uh, I mean, that's dead last. There's no further way to drop in Indianapolis. And Matt Ryan and, and Jonathan Taylor, neither one of them could do anything last week against the Titans. They both looked terrible it's just been the theme for the season in indianapolis that offense has been horrible and they earned the dunce of the week for me oh i thought you were going to go with another fumbler for your dunce of the week uh, and it turns out that uh, the colts play that fumbler tonight and we'll get into uh. that matchup later and my dunce of the week is somebody i respect but sometimes your mouth is going to get you in trouble. And Shaq Barrett, your big mouth just got you in a boatload of trouble. You said that this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is no different than the Chiefs offensive line you played in Super Bowl 55. What tape have you been watching these past year or so? Creed Humphrey wasn't on that field. And Creed Humphrey's already a top two center in the game. Joe Tooney, he's a promo guard. And yep. Trey Smith is a sixth-round steal. And Orlando Brown Jr., while he uh, may have his deficiencies in pass protection, he's far better than 
Mike Remmers, who they had playing left tackle in that game, and the Chiefs, they might not have said it publicly, but I think they felt insulted by her comments, and they just ate you up, not just through the air, but on the ground for 189 yards. And Shaq Barrett, that's what happens when you open your big mouth. They could get you in a lot of trouble at times, and it just stated, that's why you are my dunce of the week. Hard to disagree there, David. It was a lot of big talk and not backed up. Ugh. Absolutely. And uh, before we uh, preview week five, like I said, we're already at the quarter pole of this 2022 NFL season. So it's time to hand out our quarter pole awards. And we start with MVP. And uh, I understand the case for a certain other quarterback for this honor, but I'm going to stick to what we said last week. I'm going to give the quarter pole MVP to Lamar Jackson because who else do the Ravens have outside of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews on that offense? Nobody. Nothing. Nobody. Nothing. And Lamar Jackson has been playing out of his mind this year. And uh, yes, uh, the Bills uh, might have had a good performance against him last Sunday, but uh, he still uh, gave the Ravens every chance in the world to win that game. And that uh, fourth down uh, call, while it was the right decision to go for it, was just a poorly executed play by the Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson is the only reason why the Ravens are going to be competitive in every single game. And that is the epitome of an MVP. Lamar Jackson is my quarter pole MVP. Great choice, David. I can't argue with that at all, but I'm going to try just a little. Uh, that other quarterback that you're mentioning over in the a NFC, there is one undefeated team, and he has looked Lamar worthy. Is that the right <laughs> phrase? <laughs> but Jalen Hurts, absolutely fantastic performance. He is turning in as well. 67% uh, completion rate, uh, you know, through the air with his legs as well. Uh, you know, mini Lamar, whatever you want to call him. He is learning what it takes to win a football game. And that comeback against Jacksonville last week as well that he triggered uh, after falling behind by two touchdowns, just MVP worthy. Uh, another name I just want to throw out there as well, because it's, easy for some of these players to get overlooked because you expect the greatness but uh patrick mahomes doing it without tyreek hill in kansas city you got to keep him in that conversation as well i think so oh you absolutely have to patrick mahomes and that chief's offense outside of that hiccup they had in indy they look like they have not missed a beat without tyreek hill and patrick mahomes is the reason why and for offensive player of the year I'm going to go with that other quarterback you picked for your MVP. I'm going with Jalen Kurtz. I'm giving this him as a consolation prize because I was splitting hairs between him and Lamar Jackson for, for MVP. But Jalen Kurtz, this was a guy that many people, if not most, doubted could make the leap he did so far this season. And oh my, he has. Oh, they said that Jalen Kurtz wouldn't turn into an above average passer. He's turned into a prolific passer. And when you match that with his legs, that is a lethal Lamar Jackson-esque combination that he has indeed. And uh, for each of the four games the Eagles have played so far, he has registered 400 or more yards from scrimmage, passing and rushing combined. That is an offensive weapon that is rarely seen in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is my offensive player of the year at the quarter pole. 
hey, I love Jalen Hurts. You're going to hear no arguments from me, but I am going to make a couple of arguments. I'll throw out a couple of names. Uh, Saquon Barkley, quietly doing it in Cleveland, Nick Chubb. But for me, Offensive Player of the Year, um, you know, we just we just talked about his impact that he had with Patrick Mahomes' greatness all these years. But Tyreek Hill, I mean, my God, he makes Tua look good. Come on. I mean, how can you not be Offensive Player of the Year with that kind of uh, resume? I mean, he's just completely changed that Miami offense, turned it into a dynamic offense, whether it's Tua at quarterback, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater back there. He just continues to stretch the field, make big plays down the field. One of his greatest strengths is tracking that football and strong at the catch point. But even the underneath game, the yak, the yards after catch, Tyreek Hill continuing to have just be a one-man wrecking crew and elevating that Miami offense. So I got to give it to him for that offensive player of the year. I am not going to argue with that choice whatsoever, Hal. Tyree Kill has definitely elevated that Dolphins offense, and he is definitely making Tua look good, and he's likely going to make Teddy Bridgewater look good as well for the foreseeable future. And now on to Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, there are several names that I like to mention here. Mika Fitzpatrick, oh my goodness, uh, he is almost single-handedly keeping that Steelers defense afloat without uh, T.J. Watt and uh, Micah Parsons being the unicorn that he is, but I just have to go with my man, Von Miller. Von Miller has never won a Defensive Player of the Year award in his illustrious NFL career, but this could be the year he does just that. With all the injuries the Bills have had on the back end of that defense, it is the Bills' pass rush that is carrying that defense on their shoulders, and Von Miller is the heartbeat of that pass rush. Just his presence on the team alone, as you've been saying these past several weeks, has made all the younger guys in that pass rush take their game to a higher level. Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, and the guys on the interior with Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, you name it. Von Miller has just transformed that pass rush almost single-handedly. And he, as Mike Tomlin said, he's like an alien from outer space. Looks like he is still yet to lose a single step. Von Miller, my defensive player of the year at the quarter pole, a big reason why the Bills were able to escape Baltimore with that win. Great, great point. You know I love Von Miller there in Buffalo and what he's done for that defense. Uh, just amazing performance. Uh, hate to go against him, but, you know, one, one name I got to throw out there as well, he's, he's leading the league in sacks. He's leading the league in quarterback hits, and he's probably got almost twice as many as the next guy. Um, you know, he's usually fighting just to be the best player in his family in the league, let alone the best <laughs> defensive player. Definitely. But Nick Bosa has just been awesome this year. He's been like shot out of a cannon every game, uh, just wrecking in the backfield against the pass, against the run. He has been a beast. For that 49ers defense so I, I gotta give it to him after these four games he has just been incredible can't argue with that either because the 49ers and bills you can make the case that they're easily the two best defenses in the national football league right now and on to the rookies offensive rookie of the year when i watch this guy play i just have flashbacks and say what if what if 
Drew Brees had a vertical threat opposite Michael Thomas in the final years of his prime in New Orleans, man. He just would have been on a higher level, and he was on a pretty high level Level, during those years as well. But having a guy like Chris Olave there would have taken his game to an even higher level, and he has just uh, been that presence for the Saints offense that they should have had all those years with Drew Brees. That's just all there is to it. Chris Olave is like a a weapon. Every single week, he is making a big catch on a long pass down the field. That's how there's to it. Plus, his route running is just out of this world. That polished route runner from Ohio State being coached by Brian Hartline there. And uh, his his speed is just, uh, can take the top off of defense any day of the week. Chris Olave is my offensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole. Hard to argue there, having a huge impact in New Orleans. Speaking of a huge impact, speaking of the Ohio State University and their wide receivers, how about Garrett Wilson with the Jets? Can you imagine Alave Wilson in the same, oh my God, on the same team, Ohio State, unbelievable. Um, You know, the, the Jets have, they spent big to bring in Tyler Conklin. They spent big to bring in Corey Davis last year. They had a high draft pick on Elijah Moore, but Garrett Wilson is the one that's driving the offense there in New York. And this rookie has just stepped in and asserted himself as the number one receiver in New York with no question about it. He's already drawing the attention of the top defensive backs of the opposition. And he is a playmaker game changer for the jets um you know that offense needed something and that something was garrett wilson and uh, at this point i'm going to give him just a slight edge over his college teammate but either one you like we said at the draft either one you can't go wrong oh absolutely both garrett wilson chris olave came into the nfl pro ready and they are showing it right off the bat making incredible impacts on their team's so far and defensive rookie of the year oh my god you almost made me want to change this pick to another jet (laughs) but we got to still show the jaguars some love because of the start they've had this season that jaguars defense even though they uh, had their struggles against the high-flying eagles last sunday they are still a very exciting young defensive front to watch and devin lloyd is you could say he's the heart and soul of that front he like uh, make sure everybody gets in position before the snap he uh, has the radio inside his helmet i think to uh, make sure that uh, that everybody's on alert on every single snap and he uh just has made play after play after play and he is a versatile defensive weapon uh, you can uh drop him back in coverage and he is a weapon in coverage he is a weapon blitzing the quarterback and he can even be a weapon off the edge of times Devin Lloyd my defensive rookie of the year at the quarter pole yeah I mean cannot argue with him at all I mean he's the Micah Parsons of this 2022 NFL season so far rookie having an impact like you said in every single way I couldn't put anybody at his level right now but I do gotta say you know a lot of competition and a lot of games still to play. So I'm going to give Lloyd the edge and uh, sound the simpatico alert here on you. <laughs> this one, David, but Trayvon Walker, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Derek Stingley Jr. All four very, very, very impressive starts to their NFL careers. 
And if they keep playing the way they've been playing, we may have a different defensive rookie of the year candidate at the midseason. We most certainly could. It would not surprise me one bit. And now on to comeback player of the year. You mentioned him as a candidate for offensive player of the year. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley might not be coming back from a season-ending injury, but ever since his amazing rookie year in 2018, he has been hurt. He missed most of the 2019 season with an ankle injury. Uh, tore his ACL in 2020. Missed a significant part of 2021 with an ankle injury. He was mentioned as trade bait this offseason. And what have we seen? We've seen the 2018 Saquon Barkley in action. Single-handedly carrying that offense on his shoulders, just making amazing play after amazing play week after week after week. He is just showing why he was worthy of a top five pick, even for a running back in 2018. I still wouldn't have picked him if I were Dave Gettleman, but you just cannot deny the special talent. He is finally showcasing that special talent because he is now 100%. He has that signature burst back. And above all, he is the kind of guy you want to have in your locker room. He is just an all-around nice guy, hardworking, humble, you name it. He is like a glue guy that uh, you want as part of your franchise. And I am just happy to see him back to his old self. Saquon Barkley, you're my comeback player of the year at the quarter, Paul. Love it, David. And I'm going to return the love. Somebody you mentioned earlier in the program as well, Derek Henry. Maybe last week I wouldn't have had him here, but, uh, you know, rough start to the season. You know, we're wondering about that. You know, is he back to full strength? But the numbers are showing these last two weeks, uh, back over four yards of rush last week, uh, two weeks ago, and then topping 100 yards, topping five yards of rush, the classic returning from injury, finally healthy, Derrick Henry, comeback player of the year for me. Uh, he could definitely build his case as the weeks go on, Hal. No problem with that choice whatsoever. And now for our most improved player of the year award, I am going to give an honorable mention to my man, Talanoa Hufanga. Yeah. He is a big reason why the 49ers defense has taken that next step from great to elite status. He is the last line of defense of that defense, a seventh round pick in 2021. And he's playing like an all pro this year. He is just making big plays every single week. And he put an exclamation point on the quarter bowl with his game clinching pick six on Matthew Stafford. That won a fantasy game for me, by the way. So thank you. (laughs) But seriously, Talanoa Hufanga, he is becoming Uh, a top five superstar safety in this league. And I just can't wait to see this guy continue to ball. But if I had to uh, make a choice for most improved player of the year, I just got to go with Geno Smith. This is a guy who uh, had a rough start to his career with the Jets, but uh, just continued to work hard and look for every possible opportunity he could for a starting job. And the Seahawks were uh, willing to uh, trade away Russell Wilson and give him the shot. And boy, has he answered the bell. In his first four weeks of the season, he has completed an NFL record 77.3% of his passes. And he is not just a game manager. He can make all the big throws and he's got the web to help him do it. 
He might not be as great as Russell Wilson was in his prime for the Seahawks, but he is the perfect quarterback for the Seahawks right now as they rebuild a roster. And he uh, could very well be looking at a big payday down the road. And we'll talk about that later. But I am aboard the Geno Smith hype train. Geno Smith is my most improved player of the year at the quarter poll. And Gino's killing my bad quarterbacks remain bad. Uh, take care from early. I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, my most improved player. Hey, uh, l- let's keep sending that love the Jacksonville way. We knew it was going to happen eventually. He was going to get over the hump. We saw the talent last year as he took his lumps in Jacksonville. But man, oh man, even with that rough performance last week, most improved player, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the numbers, yards per game, yeah, it's up 25 per pass, but last year, 12 touchdowns for the entire season. He's already got eight through four games. Uh, Interceptions, he had 17 last year. He's only had two through four games. Completing uh, passive uh, completions are way up from under 60% to over 65%. Trevor Lawrence is showing why he was the slam dunk number one overall pick and that generational talent that needed to be taken at the top of the draft. And he's well on his way to showing why he is going to be uh, the next superstar quarterback in the NFL. Oh, you definitely cannot go wrong with Trevor Lawrence as the most improved player of the year at the quarter poll. And I think he's going to build on that case even further as the weeks go on. And last but not least for our quarter poll awards, coach of the year. And I want to give an honorable mention to Arthur Smith. Before the season, almost everybody believed that the Atlanta Falcons had one of the worst, if not the worst, roster in the National Football League, and he is absolutely making lemonade out of lemons. He has created one of the most fun-to-watch, explosive offenses in the NFL with below-average quarterback play in Marcus Mariota, and the Falcons have been competitive in each one of their games. They blew a lead in heartbreaking fashion to the New Orleans Saints in week one. They almost made an historic upback against the Super Bowl champion Rams in week two. They eked out a hard-fought win against Geno Smith Seahawks in week three and eked out another hard-fought win against the Browns last week. This Falcons team has a lot of promising young pieces. A.J. Terrell, Arnold Ebicady on defense, on offense, Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and uh, the running game with uh, Tyler Allgaier, who is going to get more carries in lieu of Cordell Patterson these next several weeks. Arthur Smith, he is showing why he is a keeper for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, I want to give him honorable mention, but for Coach of the Year honors, You got to go with the guy who might be one of the few guys in the NFL who could have made Jalen Hurts into the star he is, Nick Sirianni. And Nick Sirianni's work isn't just limited to Jalen Hurts. He is just getting the utmost out of this roster. Just look at uh, how the Eagles are delivering. In week one, Zach McPherson was the special teams player of the week in the NFC. Week two, Darius Slay was NFC defensive player of the week. Week three, Brandon Graham was NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Jalen Hurts was obviously uh, the NFC um, Offensive Player of the Month for September. And the NFC Defensive Player of the Week for this past week was Hassan Reddick. This doesn't happen without elite coaching. Nick Sirianni has been doing some elite coaching. He is my coach here at the quarter poll. Yeah, I mean, 4-0 here. Sirianni, you know, we've talked so many times about how he's transformed that offense and switched gears last year. 
elevated Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, just impossible to pick any other coach at this point. Uh, I'll throw an honorable mention out to somebody who doesn't get a lot of attention, but uh, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, three and one now. Uh, you know, he's got some growing pains. He's still learning the game management. He's not perfect. There's no doubt about that. But he's got this team winning the games that they've been losing the last few years. And that that game against the Saints, they held on for a W against the Lions. Those are games the Vikings would have lost last year. So three and one instead of one and three, I got to give a little love out to my favorite backup quarterback, Kevin O'Connell, and the great job he's doing as Minnesota head coach. But that was your honorable mention. Uh, that was my honorable mention. I'm agreeing 100% with you on Sirianni. I can't, 4 0, the job he's done, Sirianni is the slam dunk coach of the year. Looks like we're going to have to sound another simpatico alert. Uh, so, two simpatico alerts for our 2022 quarter bowl awards. And now. On to another game of truth or exaggeration. You know how this game works, Hal. I make a statement and you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with the biggest story in the NFL this past week. Tua Tungavoiloa, a couple Sundays ago, he got hit by Matt Milano on a play and he got up looking woozy, dare I say. And for some reason, the Dolphins cleared him to go back in the game, even though wooziness implies concussion-like symptoms. And four nights later, he suited up against the Bengals on a Thursday night, and he suffered an even more gruesome hit that made his head bounce off the turf. And you could clearly make the case that Tua Tungavailoa suffered two concussions in four days. While the investigation is wrapping up, uh, we got to trust our moral judgment here. It, uh, Tua, I think he was clearly concussed in that game against the Bills, and he got concussed again four nights later, inexcusable. He should not have been playing that game against the Bengals. It was absolutely appalling. And for those of you who listened to our Beyond the Chap series with the Denver Broncos cheerleaders over the summer, my good friend, Alexandria, who was uh, one of our guests, she is a full-time nurse practitioner and a graduate of the University of Alabama to boot. And uh, she told me that she thinks that Tua Tungavoiloa should sit out the next four to six weeks at least in order to fully recover. So truth or exaggeration, the Dolphins should rest Tua Tungavailoa for a four to six week minimum before allowing him to return to play. I agree with my friend Alexandria. Do I hear a simpatico alert for my friend Alexandria? Beep, 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 beep. Absolutely. The Dolphins should put him on injured reserve to protect him from overzealous coaches trying to get him back into the game, get him on injured reserve, get him out for a minimum of four weeks, get that man healthy. I mean, already you've got uh, the, the neurologist there from the concussion movie, uh, Bennett Omalu, right? Who's, who's saying Tua should retire. He shouldn't even be sitting out a number of weeks. He should protect himself and retire after those injuries there. So, I mean, this is deadly serious. The league has been kicking concussion protocols down the road, and it was going to take a disaster like this to make everybody sit up and notice. And unfortunately for Tua, he is that disaster with the concussion where the league, the Players Association, his coaches, 
His team let him down, put him back out there. Every player is going to fight to get back on the field. It's the competitive nature of the NFL. Everybody in the NFL knows Tom Brady and how he got his job. And they know that there's another player who's lurking right behind them, looking for that starting opportunity to take away from them. And they're going to do everything they can to get on the field as soon as possible. So you have to protect these players. That's the league and the team's responsibility. They didn't do it. So four to six weeks minimum, and I mean minimum, and the Dolphins are doing a disservice not putting him on injured reserve and protecting him from himself and overzealous team coaches. Memo to NFL, listen to my friend Alexandria of the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, full-time nurse practitioner, four to six weeks minimum for Tua on IR, nothing less. That is all there is to it. Long-term health and safety has got to be the main goal here. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And moving on to the San Francisco 49ers and that defense. D'Amico Ryans will be a head coach in 2023. Truth or exaggeration? You know, that should be a truth, but I'm going to say, I'm just going to put it out here, you know. Unless it's down to between him and Eric Bieniemy, because oh my God, why is Eric Bieniemy still a coordinator? I don't understand it. I mean, again, just to get him away from Patrick Mahomes for God's sakes and make Patrick suffer a little here <laughs> and learn <laughs> with a new coordinator. Come on, NFL, what are you doing? But but yeah, truth. I mean, oh, you know. The expected drop-off there in San Francisco just has not happened on defense. I mean, just amazing work out of Ryan's there stepping in. I mean, it might be even better. Yeah, it, you could actually say, you know, he might be better than that Robert Salad defense there. Uh, taking a step forward, he is definitely going to be on the short list of NFL head coaches. So, yes, that has to be a truth. It definitely has to be a truth, but if he gets passed over this coming oh, season, I don't know I, what to say. It, the process I don't is either. rigged. That's all exactly, there is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just please make D'Amico Ryan's a head coach of 2023 NFL. Please do the right thing. And speaking of uh, minority coaches, Mike Tomlin, my favorite NFL head coach today, as in the head coach that I would. Uh, most likely be willing to put on the pads for. Uh, he has made a name for himself and rightfully so by consistently getting the utmost out of whatever roster he has dealt and making them at 500 or above. But truth or exaggeration, 2022 will be the first losing season of Mike Tomlin's career. Yes, the, definitely without a doubt. Uh, this is a rebuild situation for the Steelers you know NFL I know you're used to continued excellence in Pittsburgh and just like the situation in New England you've kicked that can down the road as long as you can you held on with that uh you know aging quarterback selling out against the salary cap year after year putting that money out pushing it out the time has come to pay the bill um, sorry, Pittsburgh, it's going to be a losing season. Um, it's not going to be a pretty season. You look at the winnable games that are remaining for them. And I'm looking at, uh, 
Well, there's Carolina out there. That looks like a winnable game. And uh, I wouldn't even say Atlanta anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, rough sledding ahead for the Steelers. You've got your quarterback in Kenny Pickett. He's going to get his chance to grow. You saw in week one with all those interceptions, there's a lot of growing to do and a lot of learning. And uh, he's in the situation now to do a lot of learning. And sometimes that quarterback's got to learn the hard way, as we saw with Trevor Lawrence last year, to make those big gains the next year. So, yeah, Pittsburgh, um, you know, you got your quarterback and you're going to have a nice high draft pick this year. So settle for that. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Mike Tomlin, absolutely truth, going to have that losing season this year. Uh, Can't argue with you there, Hal. And we thought that the AFC West would be the most exciting division in football. But if you look at the AFC West for the first four weeks, the chiefs uh, still look to clearly be the best team in the division at three and one. With the Chargers on their heels at two and two, an unimpressive two and two Broncos team, and an underachieving one and three Raiders team. Look at the NFC West, two and two across the board. So, truth or exaggeration, the NFC West is a more competitive division than the AFC West. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, I still am expecting Arizona and Seattle to turn into a pumpkin here at some point, but. So far, they keep proving me wrong. So uh, they're remaining competitive. I'll give them all the credit in the world that I wasn't giving them before this season started. So, yes, NFC West, you have leapfrogged the AFC West, which looks like yet another year of a Chargers uh, team that doesn't reach their potential a Raiders team that proves Josh McDaniels may not be a head coach in the NFL and Kansas city running rough shot in that division as usual. And staying in the NFC West, Geno Smith, my most improved player of the year at the quarter pole will get a long-term extension from the Seahawks after the season. And the Seahawks will not pick a quarterback with one of their two 2023 first round picks. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, man. You know, I want it to be a truth. I really do. But uh, I'm not sold on the Geno Smith experience quite yet. Um, Long-term extension. He's a 32-year-old journeyman uh, for Seattle. I'd love to see him continue to play the way he's been playing these first four weeks of the season. I just don't believe it's going to happen. So I got to go with the exaggeration as much as I would love for this to be a truth. Uh, Gino, I hope you prove Hal wrong. Continue to prove people wrong, Gino. We are pulling for you. And on to the NFC East, where the winner of the Eagles-Cowboys game Sunday night in week six will be the eventual winner in that division. Truth or exaggeration? I mean, that is a tough one, but, ah, jeez, you know, Cowboys defense has been so much better than I expected this year. I, I still think the Eagles, you know, even with Dallas getting Dak back in the next couple of weeks and that defense playing better than I expected out of them this year, I, I still think the Eagles are head and shoulders above the rest of that division. And, you know, they could lose 
both games to Dallas this year, and I still think they'll win that division handily. So I'm going to go with an exaggeration there. That is interesting, and we shall see. And last but not least, for truth or exaggeration, Matt Rule will be fired as head coach of the Panthers before the end of the 2022 season. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, truth, truth, truth. Uh, uh, David Tepper, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Pull the trigger. Come on. I mean, is he trying to decide if he's going to keep Fitterer around as well? I mean, oh, this is a mess. Carolina has been a mess the last three, you know, third seasons here. Matt Rule has just been, let's see, first season, terrible. Second season, terrible. Third season, terrible. Their offense, terrible. Their defense, getting worse year after year. Terrible, terrible, terrible. The Matt Rule experiment is over. Send them back to the college ranks. The sooner, the better. It's a lost cause, Carolina. Truth, truth, truth. Not only should he be fired before the end of the season, he should be fired before midseason. Ooh, we shall see if David Tepper has the stones to pull the plug on the Matt Rulero before midseason. And if the Panthers keep losing, he might not have any other choice. And let's preview some of our games of the week here. We start in L.A. where the struggling Super Bowl champion Rams at 2-2 two and two host Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. And Cooper Rush is going to get this start Again, this week, most likely Dak Prescott's grip is still not quite there at the moment. And uh, you mentioned uh, before the season began, the Super Bowl hangover is real. It is very real for the Rams, especially on offense. In the fourth quarter, they have been outscored 44 to three so far oh. this season. And outside of Cooper Cup, who's stepping up in the passing game for them? Allen Robinson, where are you? Mm, Tyler Higby, do I see you? Uh, who's stepping up? Ben Skoranek? Uh, oh, it's just oh. very hard to see somebody outside of Cooper Cup who's doing their job at that passing game uh, so far. Why do you think this is the case for what's usually been one of the NFL's most reliable units in recent years? You know, part of it, I think, is the running game. Uh, Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, we're not seeing that stretch running game setting up the passing game that we saw for so many years. I think that's an underrated part of that Sean McVay offense is establishing that running game as a weapon, getting those linebackers safeties closer to the line of scrimmage and taking advantage of it. I mean, that's number one. Um, but beyond that as well, uh, you know, I said in the preseason, you know, you've got a quarterback with any kind of arm injury, shoulder, elbow, wrist, I don't care what that is, that has long-term effects on that quarterback. And Matthew Stafford does not look like the same quarterback that he was last year. Looks like the quarterback he was in Detroit about four years ago. Um, <laughs> but he does not look like Super Bowl champion Matthew Stafford. And you have to wonder, you know, is that injury lingering? Is it affecting him? Is he changing his stride, arm angle? Something going on there with Matthew Stafford that's causing a long-term problem for this offense. Two very good points there. And let me add these points as well. The Rams' offensive line is absolutely decimated by injuries, especially on the interior. That is a factor why 
they can't get the run game going. That's another reason why Matthew Stafford is seeing constant pressure from the interior in his face, forcing him to deacon dunk all game long. And on top of that, they have no vertical threat on offense right now. As yeah. great as Cooper Cup is, uh, like I said, there's nobody else on that Rams offense that is stepping up right now, and they have absolutely nobody that can take the top off of defense. So the Rams offense right now is pretty easy to scheme for, at least much easier to scheme for than it has been in recent years. Yeah, and and don't forget, when we're talking about this, you know, we know how the Rams love to play the draft picks don't matter game, <laughs> but this team drafted wide receiver 2-2 Atwell over Creed Humphrey. Don't forget that move right there because oh, Tutu boy. Atwell has done nothing for oh, them yes, in two years. And you say interior offensive line. I know somebody who could make a big difference there <laughs> in the Humphrey. interior. Yeah. Oh, man. My so, God. Passing over Creed Humphrey is going to be one of the worst decisions of the less need Sean McVay uh, era. And it was a smashing success because they won a Super Bowl. But uh, that's going to be a moment they wish they had back most likely for the rest of their lives. And moving on to the Cowboys here. As good as Cooper Rush has been in lieu of Dak Prescott, the Cowboys' defense, as you said earlier, has arguably been the main reason why they've been thriving in Dak's absence the past three weeks. They are the only team, aside from the 49ers, who have not allowed an opponent to score 20 points so far this season. For reasons aside from the unicorn, Micah Parsons, why does this Cowboys' defense seem to have taken another big step forward? I mean, they've got balance in every layer. They've got run stoppers up front. They've got dynamic linebackers. They can rush the passer. Uh, their defensive backs have been better than advertised. They're not big names. You know, we're not, you know, nobody talks their top 10 cornerback list and starts throwing out, you know, Anthony Brown or, or Jordan Lewis behind Trayvon Diggs. But, you know, You've got the superstars, but they're starting to fill in that talent around them with these solid, affordable role players. And that's how you build that defense with that depth. And then you plug in these parts to, you know, uh, the, whether it's the aging free agent signing, like an Anthony Barr, um, you know, a young linebacker that's, uh, you know, a tackling machine like Leighton Andervesh starting to get, you know, healthy again. It, it's just, you know, the safety position, Donovan Wilson has been a fantastic for them this year. So these not the superstars are stepping up for Dallas on that defense. And you're seeing that impact of a team defense and a strength all the way through it. There's no weak points in that Dallas defense. And that's what's made them so great this season. Oh, I completely agree. But I would also add this as great as Trayvon Diggs was last year, he had a vulnerability of constantly biting on double moves so he was like a feast or famine kind of player last year this season he seems to have taken his game to a new level he doesn't appear to be biting as much as he used to he's playing more discipline yes definitely and that's the growth of those young players you see that growth and it's not just all about those fancy interception stats it's about playing that shutdown defense and not giving up those big plays and that's maturity in a young player and now you're seeing Trayvon Diggs is, you know, joining Micah Parsons in that very young but very mature defensive players, which that consistency is what makes them great. Indeed. And now let's talk about the matchups that will decide this game Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Uh, 
we're going to get to the matches up front in just a little bit, but this game has two premier uh, matchups between a shutdown corner and a top-notch wide receiver. Trayvon Diggs against Cooper Cup and Jalen Ramsey against CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I mean, those are both great matchups where you've got superstar wide receivers going up against superstar cornerbacks. I mean, uh, that's the old Terrell Owens, you know. I better grab your popcorn for this one because this is going to be an entertaining show. And, and you've got it on both sides of the ball. You know, that Dallas offense running through C.D. Lamb in the passing game that, uh, like we talked about the Rams, there's one receiver there that you've got to pay attention to. And that's the, the great Cooper Cup there. And very rare that you see the opportunity where you've got somebody that you can lock them up um, you know, with one cornerback, but Ramsey, you know, arguably the best cornerback in the NFL, uh, this year, last year, the year before that, I don't think there's much argument there, but Trayvon Diggs, if you're talking, you know, best cornerbacks under the age of 25, uh, you know, flip a coin, uh, him certain there's, there's so many great ones that are AJ coming Terrell, on. It, yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, we're seeing that position, uh, just like the wide receiver position, the cornerback position, those skill positions, so much great young talent in the league, which makes it so great. And and Diggs is just right there with them. So both matchups, yeah, I mean, that's you talk about what's going to decide the game, who wins in those one-on-ones is going to make a huge difference. Who's converting those third downs? Who's making that big play and breaking away for the touchdown? Is it CeeDee Lamb or is it Cooper Cup? Or you know, who makes that critical interception in a close game when it's tied? Is it Jalen Ramsey that makes that big play or is it going to be Trayvon Diggs? And that's really uh, the most critical part of this game on both sides of the ball. Yes, and very quickly, um, let's uh, discuss uh, a little bit of the action up front in this game. Obviously, you got the GOAT Aaron Donald Mm -hmm. against a Cowboys offensive line that is actually playing a lot better than expected without Tyron Smith. Tyler Smith appears to be coming into his own uh, as a a young left tackle. He seems to be developing far quicker than most anybody expected him to. And you've got the Wiley vet Jason Peters now on the interior of that line with uh, Tyler Biotish, et cetera, and uh, the All-Pro Zach Martin. And uh, the Cowboys uh, are going to have to divvy up the responsibility amongst those three to take care of uh, Aaron Donald. And uh, that's all there is to it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Zach Martin, you know, that ankle injury last week, not being serious. Uh, I know I was holding my breath when he limped off the field. Um, you know, I was worrying as well, but he right back in there and uh, looked perfectly fine. And he was practicing uh, this week already. So great sign for Dallas because they're going to need them all uh, against number 99 there because no one, and I mean, no one wrecks a running game passing game uh, like Aaron Donald you called him the goat and there's just no doubt about it he is the unicorn of unicorns um, in the NFL right now just an amazing player to watch Um, you know whether you love that trench play like we do or you don't you still uh, finding 99 every single play because you just don't know what he's gonna do that is the cold hard truth right there my friend and uh, let's uh, make our picks for this game. Who do you think comes away with the victory Sunday afternoon at SoFi between the Cowboys and Rams? Oh, man, I'll tell you, you know, right now, I, 
it's, you know, it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be low scoring as well, but I think Dallas right now is going to go on the road and get that W. I've got Dallas winning it 20 to 16 over the Rams. Sound that simpatico alert for the fourth time. I like it. I like the Cowboys as well. The Rams offense seems to be sputtering right now. The Cowboys defense is on a roll. And I think it gets a little bit worse before it gets better for the Rams offensively. I like the Cowboys in this game by a score of, let's say, 17 to 13. So kind of close to where you have it. I think it's going to be low scoring as well. And on Monday night, a battle in the AFC West as Josh McDaniels and the Raiders, fresh off of their first win of the season, traveled to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. And the Raiders were able to get their first win of the season over the Broncos last week in large part due to Josh Jacobs and the running game. Josh Jacobs ran for a career-high 144 yards on 28 carries. Should Josh McDaniels make Jacobs in that ground game the focal point of his offensive game plan against the Chiefs in order to pull off the upset? I think there's a reason to because this Raiders offensive line might be better at run blocking than pass protection. They certainly looked that way so far this season. And, you know, that passing game has struggled mightily in those three losses to start off the season. So you've got to go with what's working for your team. And uh, Josh McDaniels, that means running the football. That means a healthy dose of Josh Jacobs uh, running the football there for them. He's been their best offensive player, most consistent Mm -hmm. here. Uh, You know, Devontae Adams, 11 yards of reception. He's not, uh, you know, he's been hot and cold uh, so far for them this season. So I've got to say, you know, Vegas, run the ball that's what i roll those dice run the football make it happen that way and hey a good offensive plan of keeping patrick mahomes on the sideline is a great defensive plan so nice long nine minute drives i say make that your game plan i couldn't agree more there hell and uh, but running the ball against the chiefs is going to be harder than you think because as much as we could say about Patrick Holmes of that offense uh, still playing lights out and not missing a beat without Tyreek Hill, we could say that all day long. But this Chiefs defense has been playing very well to start yes. the season, excluding garbage time drives, according to Matt Verderami of Fansided. They currently rank fifth in yards allowed per play at 4.7, fifth in points allowed per game at 17, seventh in yards allowed per drive at 27.2, and 14th allowed at points per drive at 1.84. And keep in mind, they're still without multiple starters, most notably promising rookie corner Trent McDuffie and linebacker Willie Gay, who's been uh, serving a suspension the past couple weeks. Why do you think this KC defense, who has tended to start out slowly under Steve Spagnuolo in recent years, has had such an excellent start to the season? I don't know. (laughs) You know, you'd think you'd say, well, you know, they finally got a nice rookie pass rusher and George Karloftis has looked good, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been, you know, uh, defensive rookie of the year or anything like that. And, you know, Frank Clark, good, not great, um, you know, but they've got some great pieces, you know, we love Nick Bolton here on this show at linebacker. He's been fantastic. Legereus Sneed, very, very underrated cornerback there. They've been getting some great play. Uh, 
Jalen Watson at cornerback when we're talking about cornerbacks here. Great play there. Uh, you know, the love for Juan Thornhill has been going on for many years on this uh, podcast as well. So uh, no surprise there. Yeah, it's that consistency. It's not just the Chris Jones show. You know, like we talked about with Dallas, you're starting to see some of those pieces fill in, and that's good drafting, middle to late rounds, finding contributors, and then, you know, plug in that free agent, that Justin Reed, and all of a sudden things look great on that defense. And so I think it's that same situation we're seeing in Dallas. You know, you got those bright lights that you build that defense around, and you start plugging in those pieces, and they start to fit. That's a great combination. Well, that most certainly is. And Legereus Sneed, he who pulled off a rare feat on Sunday night by successfully blitzing Tom Brady. (laughs) Oh, my God. Legereus Sneed uh, showing you why he is one of the more underrated defensive backs in today's game and why he deserves a lot more notoriety than he is getting. And let's talk about the key matchups that are going to decide this uh, Monday night contest at uh, Arrowhead. Uh, I believe it all starts up front. If the Raiders are forced to take to the air and play from behind, that interior of that offensive line is going to be in big trouble against Chris Jones. Yeah, I mean, they just don't have the talent there to be able to slow up Chris Jones. Um, You know, some rebuilding offensive line, you've got to be able to protect your quarterback. They haven't been able to, like you said, they're they've looked better running the football than they have passing it. Uh, you know, play to your strengths. If you're not able to, to keep your quarterback upright and give him time to pass, you're going to have to build that running game and you're going to have to slow that pass rush down, whether it's successful running game and play action, and then building screens off of that to slow down those edge rushers as well. Um, I think you're going to have to see one of those classic game plans like that from the Raiders if they're going to have any success because they just don't have that talent up front uh, with a Chris Jones wreaking havoc on the other side. And if there is any advantage the Raiders defense has against this Chiefs offense, it is on the edges. Max Crosby, easily the most underrated pass rusher, not the most underrated player in the entire National Football League right now. He's going to be lined up against Andrew Wiley at right tackle for the Chiefs. And But Chandler Jones, this has to be a game where he wakes up because the Raiders are going to need both of those guys to have the games of their lives to pull off the upset on Monday night. And Orlando Brown Jr., as I said at the top of the broadcast, as good as he is, as a run blocker, he is very suspected pass protection. Chandler Jones, you better capitalize. Exactly. And, you know, not just on brushing the passer as well, but you've got to have that disciplined rush as well when you're going after somebody like Patrick Mahomes. You can't be blowing uh, full speed, four yards behind the quarterback, pushed out on the opposite sideline, and meanwhile, you know, Mahomes is there dancing down right into your vacated area, waiting for a receiver to get open downfield and hitting you with a big 40, 50 yard completion. That's where Patrick Mahomes can kill a team. And that pass rush, you know, you talk about setting the edge in the running game. You've got to set the edge in the pass rush game as well. You've got to keep Patrick Mahomes contained in that pocket or he will kill you. That's where his big plays come from. So Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, aggressive, 
and smart, you've got extra pressure on you in this pass rush in this game. You couldn't have summed it up any better there, Hal. And last but not least, let's give our picks for this game between the Raiders and the Chiefs. I actually think that because it's a divisional game, it's going to be closer than many think it's going to be. But I just think the Chiefs are the far better team right now. I think they pull away in the end. Chiefs 31, Raiders 21. You know, my head says it's got to be the Chiefs. They're the more talented team. They're in a better situation. But, you know, is there such thing as a must-win game in week five? Yeah, I think so. There was a must-win game in week four for the Raiders last week. So this is a must-win game for the Raiders. They cannot go into their bye week one and four with the Chiefs four and one. They are out of the division race if they lose. So I think this is a must-win. I think they're going to try to make this game into a rock fight, try to keep that score down, run that football. Um, so I'm going to go with my upset special here, and I'm going to say the Raiders take it in a close 24-22 to 22 win over the Chiefs. Oh, you almost changed my mind. I'm going to stick <laughs> with the Chiefs straight up, but I think the Raiders actually do cover the spread. It, it was a, a Broadian slip there. I think the <laughs> Raiders actually do cover the spread. I think it's going to be a great game as well. And last but not least, let's pick the rest of these Week 6 games starting tonight in the Mile High City with the Disappointment Bowl between <laughs> the disappointing Indianapolis Colts, who I had very high expectations for headed into the season, and the disappointing Denver Broncos, who I thought would be playing a lot better football than they are right now. Both of these teams are banged up, but it's all about coaching in these games. I trust Frank Reich a million times more than I trust Nathaniel Hackett. Colts in a blowout. How do they do it? Stay tuned for more predictions. Oh, man. You know, uh, I just have no b- belief in the Colts right now. I think Matt, you, you, try, you talked me off the ledge in week three, David, but I'm right back there with the Colts again after last week and that fumble ruski show there. Of, you know, David, I hate to tell you, but your Broncos are going to be tied for first at the end of this week here with the Chiefs losing to the Raiders and them knocking off Indianapolis in an ugly 20 to 19 win. I agree there. Tonight's game is going to be ugly and not just ugly. It's going to be pug fugly, which is the highest <laughs> form of ugliness there. I say, oh, my God, get ready to hold your nose, folks. That's all there is to it. And on Sunday morning. The three and one Packers in London host the three and one New York Giants. This is the game where the Giants are exposed as the frauds. They are Packers win, and I think they cover the spread too. Yeah, I, I I just can't pick against Green Bay here. They're starting to get that offense rolling a little bit in the passing game. They've got that great running game, and as great as the story's been for the Giants, the The Cinderella season is over for them. I've got Green Bay in a pretty easy win, 34 to 13. And staying in the NFC North, the division leading Vikings uh, on Sunday afternoon host the Chicago Bears. And I think this is an easy game to predict. This is going to be my lock of the week. Vikings 34, Bears 17. Yeah, I mean... 
ugh, the Bears, it's just so difficult to watch right now. I mean, oh, just oh, oh, painful, painful uh, week in and week out. Ugh, I, you know, on the road, I just don't see it happening. And the Vikings are trending in the right direction right now. Yeah, I'm going to give Minnesota pretty easy win here, 30 to 20 over the Bears. Your New England Patriots, after a very hard-fought effort against the Packers with Bailey Zappi at quarterback, host the NFL's highest-ranked offense and lowest-ranked defense, the Detroit Lions. And I think we're overdue for a game where Belichick coaches his way to a win. I think the Patriots somehow, someway, find a way to win 2017 over the Lions. Yeah, I, I, at home, and most importantly for the people in New England, the return of the Red Pat Patriot uniforms. We haven't seen them in over a decade. Oh, that brings me back to my childhood, sitting on frozen aluminum bleachers in that hideous Schaefer Stadium or Sullivan Stadium, whatever it was. <laughs> uh, I hope it's not that kind of throwback ugly, but more like that, you know, um, the last time that they they wore them again was that 59 to nothing win over Tennessee in the snow where Brady had the five touchdowns in the first half. So I feel like those uniforms are going to bring some love. Uh, it's the Matt Patricia revenge game here for the Patriots. So Patriots 24, Detroit 17. The Miami Dolphins with Teddy Bridgewater now manning the offense. Traveled to East Rutherford to take on the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Coming off another hard-fought, come-from-behind victory on the road. The Jets are overdue for a home win this year. They just are insane talent on both sides of the football. Sauce Garner, I think next year we could be talking about Sauce Garner and Patrick Sertad and perhaps A.J. Terrell as the three best corners in the game. That's all there is to it. And Garrett Wilson, your offensive rookie of the year, uh, you also got a uh, one-two punch at running back with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. The Jets, uh, I think the Dolphins offense, I think they're underestimating the drop-off there is from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater. I think that Jets defensive front just frustrates Teddy Bridgewater into a few costly mistakes that decide the game. I like the Jets in a close one, 23 to 20. Man, I'll tell you right now, uh, Gonna be tough to pick against the Dolphins. I do love that off. You know, uh, Jets improved on defense. Sauce Gardner, but man, he can only cover one wide receiver at a time out there. Mm -hmm. And you've got Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. They haven't even gotten Mike Gesicki going in this offense, where they've basically transitioned him to the slot receiver and are playing Durham Smythe for his blocking ability as the tight end to fit that offense. So uh, still a lot of growing to do, you know, you hate to say it, maybe even improved with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I don't know, maybe, maybe, but I'm picking the dolphins here. I think it's a good bounce back game, but it'll be entertaining. I've got it, Miami 27, the Jets 23. Yeah, it should be a close one. And uh, Kenny Pickett making his first NFL start for the Steelers, but he has to go against the Buffalo Bills at Orchard Park and that defense that has just 
not allowed anybody, and I mean anybody, to feast on them all season long. And a rookie starting his first game in a hostile environment, as promising as Kenny Pickett looked last week, he is going to uh, get his welcome to the NFL moment this week by going against Von Miller and that Bills defense. Uh, the Steelers might keep it close for about a half, but at the end of the day, Josh Allen is going to be too much for a defense missing TJ Watt. Bills 35, Steelers 21. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to be that close. I think, uh, you know, a welcome to the NFL moment. You don't want it to be against the Buffalo Bills. Um, Steelers, good luck trying to stop Josh Allen. I just don't see it happening here. I've got this one, a blowout, Buffalo 40, Pittsburgh 13. The Chargers, after a much-needed bounce-back game against the Texans last week, Traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Our man Jamari Sawyer, after a rock star week, gets a big test by potentially going up against Miles Garrett and that Browns pass rush. But that said, uh, these are two rosters that are very uh, deep, but it all comes down to who the better quarterback is. And give me Justin Herbert over Jacoby Brissett every day and twice on Sunday. I like the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> You know, again, I'm going to force your Chargers to say, hey, Chargers, you've got to prove to me you're not the same old Chargers here. Um, and, you know, if there's one thing Cleveland can do, it's that two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. They're capable of taking over any game. And, you know, you may not have that quick strike attack at quarterback, but with Nick Chubb in the backfield, you're just seconds away from an 80-yard play. So uh, until the Chargers choose it, prove it, I'm not picking them on the road at this point of the season here. I'm going to say Cleveland makes it ugly, and they take it in overtime, 23-20 to 20 over the Chargers. The Houston Texans, the only winless team remaining in the National Football League, travel to Duval to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars this weekend. The Texans are going to stay winless. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars are going to have a bounce back game and improve to three and two. I like the Jaguars, and it's not going to be a close game. Give me Jaguars 35, Texans 13. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the Jacksonville here. Um, you know, Houston, they're going to be tough. Uh, divisional game, you're always a little cautious there. But I think Jacksonville, that was a great lesson, jumping up early and learning what it's like to, you know, not rest on your laurels against a team like the Eagles there. Um, I'm really excited to see a big dose of Travis ATN here. I've been waiting for him to break out all season. Maybe this is the week. I'm going to go Jacksonville uh, with a pretty easy win, uh, 30 to, uh, let's say 30 to 20 over Houston. The Tennessee Titans, winners of two straight after their own two start, traveling to DC to take on the Commanders and I think there is a case for the commanders to be considered the worst team in the NFL mm -hmm. right now. That offense, Carson Wentz, oh my goodness, you are just so painful to watch week after week. And that defense, despite all that talent, even when Chase Young comes back, I do not trust the Jack Del Rio defense. Oh my goodness. It's uh, And uh, I think the Titans are going to absolutely dominate this game on the ground. And I think they win pretty easily, let's say, 20 to seven. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see 
Washington. I mean, you know, from top to bottom, that franchise is a mess right now. One of the worst offenses in the league, underachieving defense. That was, you know, hopefully something they thought they could, um, you know, pull out some wins with that defense. But, you know, sorry, I don't see any Jack Del Rio magic there in that defense <laughs> right now. So uh, I've got to go with Tennessee as well. You're not going to steal any games from Mike Vrabel right here. And this is another, you know, ugly Tennessee on the road, heavy dose of uh, Henry running the football down their throat as well. Let's make it a nice ugly score or something like 18 to 12 uh, for Tennessee. Oh, that wouldn't be a shocker either. And the New Orleans Saints, who Peter King thought would win the NFC South this year, they're one and three, and they got to host Geno Smith and the high-flying Seahawks offense this Sunday. And it looks like Andy Dalton is going to be starting at quarterback again. And the line in this game is Saints by five. Screw it. Seahawks over Saints is my upset special. I'm on the Geno train. Keep proving everybody wrong, Geno. Light them up. Oh, you know, this is, uh, again, you know, is there a must-win game in week five? Yes, there is, Dennis Allen. Yes, there is. This is a must-win game. Uh, I think you're going to see that they're going to, even with the red rifle there at quarterback, oh, you know, let's see a uh, heavy dose of Alvin Kamara here for this game and see if they can uh, pull off a W. Let's make it nice and ugly and say uh, 22 to 21. I've got the Saints with Seattle making a late run and just missing covering the spread here. Uh, well, they'll cover the spread, but just missing the win here. I'm going to say New Orleans holds on. 22-21. Those feisty young Atlanta Falcons that we talked about on the top of our broadcast, they traveled to Tampa this study to take on Tom Brady and the Bucs. Uh, the Bucs, they finally looked pretty good on offense last weekend, but uh, unfortunately they were going against an even better team in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I like the young pieces the Falcons have. I love the job Arthur Smith is doing, but I think the Falcons are due for a bigger slice of humble pie this weekend against the Bucs. Uh, the Bucs are going to show that they're still the team to beat uh, in the NFC South this year. It may be close for about three quarters, but I think Brady company pull away at the end. Bucks 34, Falcons 23. Yeah, I mean, no reason we should be picking Atlanta. I mean, uh, I don't think this is the... Uh, you know, changing of the guard in the NFC South by any stretch of the imagination. Atlanta still has a lot of work to do, but they got a lot of good pieces there. Um, Tampa Bay starting to figure things out. I'll say Atlanta gives them a good fight, but uh, Tampa takes it 24 to 16. The 49ers and that amazing defense Goes on the road to Carolina this week to take on the Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield and that offense. Could you imagine an even bigger mismatch this week? 49ers dominate 23 to three. I've got it worse than that, David. I don't think Carolina gets a point on the board. <laughs> Here's the shutout game. San Francisco 30, Carolina zip zilch zero. 
Oh, if the Niners uh, shut out the Panthers like that, the calls to fire Matt Rule are going to get louder than ever. That is all there is to it. And the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles in a battle of the birds travel to the desert to take on the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I don't think they're a bad team, but I don't think they're a good team either. Like, uh, who do they have on defense capable of uh, slowing down Jalen Hurts in this offense? Nobody. 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 Not even J.J. Watt, uh, the the way he is right now, can do it. Uh, Just not not happening, especially against the best offensive line in football. And uh, Kyler Murray, he's the ultimate feaster fan of quarterback. One play, he looks absolutely brilliant. The next, like a complete amateur. The Eagles have the pieces on defense to confuse the heck out of Kyler Murray. And their offense is just going to dominate that uh, Cardinals defense. I like the Eagles to remain unbeaten. I am with you. Sound that simpatico, Lord (laughs) David. Eagles in a blowout. Um, I'm going to give Arizona a few points here. I'm going to say it's going to be two garbage time, uh, you know, touchdowns in the fourth quarter while the Eagles are playing, uh, you know, prevent defense the entire second half. And uh, Kyla Murray's got to get me a couple points in fantasy football that way. So uh, depending on them for that, but otherwise Philadelphia offensive explosion, I've got it 52 to 20. And in bold predictions, you'll hear how they get that 52. Oh, can't wait to hear. And last but not least for our picks for week five, Sunday night in Baltimore, the Ravens, after another heartbreaking lone lead at home, uh, host the Bengals in a battle for first place in the AFC North, or at least a share of first place, depending on what the Browns do earlier in the day. I was going back and forth on this game, but a little something out of the ordinary broke the tie here. I have a new favorite song, and it is Chris Stapleton starting over. And uh, Chris Stapleton, one of the best uh, figures in country music today and in music in general, he has like crossed a lot of barriers with genres and all that. Uh, But this tune starting over, it has the lyric, nobody wins afraid of losing and the hard roads are the ones worth choosing. And boy, does that describe the Baltimore Ravens who just play to win the game every single week. And what is the trademark of the Ravens and the John Harbaugh hero? They always bounce back. They are overdue for a win at home. I think they get that first W on the board at home this weekend. I like the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I should be picking the Ravens. I feel like they're the better team in this situation right now. Bengals going through a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover, especially for the losing team when it's a young team, unexpected, happy to be there kind of guys. And, you know, now they're hitting that growing pain. But, but, you know, two wins in a row here for Cincinnati. Do I think they keep it going? I'm going to say why not. Let's make it a fun, fun, close game. Uh, you know, keeping us up late on Sunday night. Who cares about work the next day? <laughs> Cincinnati, 60-yard field goal at the buzzer. Hey, why not? Let's make it 30-29 to 29 over Baltimore. Oh, interesting pick there. Evan McPherson trying to challenge Justin Tucker for best kicker in the game. I like that. And now we're on to our bold predictions. Uh, you had something to say about the Eagles for your bold prediction this week. Yeah, we're going to see a game for the ages. Jalen Hurts 
wants to make sure everybody knows he's not just the MVP of the quarter poll, but he's making his claim for MVP for this entire season. He's going to seven touchdowns. Why the heck not? Four through the air, three on the ground. How many yards passing? 300, 400, let's say 450 yards in the air against that Arizona defense and adding to it on the ground as well. A couple of big back-breaking touchdown runs, puts him over 150 yards, 600 yards of offense, seven touchdowns, a command performance from Jalen Hurts. That's my bold prediction as they put 52 on the board against Arizona. Oh, I love it. My bold prediction, once again, centers on my Denver Broncos. (laughs) You talked about the fumble rooskies in Indianapolis. The Broncos have an even worse fumble rooski than Melvin Gordon, who has uh, lost three fumbles in the past 12 games that were returned for touchdowns. Does that bad luck end tonight? No! He fumbles again at the goal line. And it is returned by the Colts for the longest scoop and score in NFL history. And to further add insult to injury, uh, the Colts might not have Jonathan Taylor tonight, but they've got, coming up from the practice squad, Colorado native and former Bronco (laughs) Philip Lindsay. Lindsay. And he runs all over the Broncos defense for two touchdowns and more than 250 yards on the ground alone. That is my bold. Oh, that is bold, bold, bold. Oh, Oh, my. And last (laughs) but not least, as always, our challenge flags. I'm going to go first here. My challenge flag goes out to the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, show how. Why you're not the same old Chargers that build on that momentum from last Sunday in Houston. Jamari Sawyer, show why that performance was no fluke and hold your own against Miles Garrett. Uh, Chargers defense, continue to force turnovers. Justin Herbert, continue to be your amazing self and just continue to let everybody know why you belong in that Super Bowl conversation. That is my challenge flag of the week. You go next. All right, my challenge flag kind of telegraphed us a little with my picks. I'm showing faith, so you've got to justify that faith in me. Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, Dennis Allen in New Orleans. Yes, there are must-win games in week five, and you both have must-win games. You cannot drop to one and four after five weeks. These teams are both talented enough to be playoff teams. It's time to turn the corner, start playing like a playoff team, play up to your level of talent. I picked you both to win in these must-win game fives. Go out and do it. Vegas, New Orleans, McDaniels, Allen, must win, win. He is Hal Bent, ladies gentlemen, of full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for a great discussion of football. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week five, preview week six, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at DCROM59, as well as on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hal Bet, this is David Cromwell, and as always, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, please choose empathy, and whatever your opinion on the state of our country is, 
please, and I mean please, do not forget to vote by November 8th. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.